Hello and welcome to episode 53 of GameSpot After Dark. I'm your host, Jake Decker, and this is GameSpot's official video game podcast. Joining me this week is Callie Plaguey. Hello. Jean-Luc Seifke. Hello. And the editor-in-chief of US Gamer, Kat Bailey. Hi, how you doing? Welcome, Kat. (laughs) I did it. I made it on to GameSpot After Dark. I know after you had me on Acts of the Blood God, we finally Mm -hmm. were able to get you on here, so we're really excited. Yeah, it was fun being on Retronauts with you as well, talking about yeah. Stardew Valley, like geeking out over Stardew Valley. That was one of the most fun podcasts I've done. Oh, yeah, that was a great one. Um, so hopefully this one is just as fun, even though it's been a bit of a slow news week. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Well, you don't think that Halo multiplayer going free to play is like really fast and exciting? It's exciting enough. <laughs> yeah, there's things to talk about there, I guess. But I, I don't know. I kind of don't mind when it's a slow news week because then we can mm. spend more time talking about what we've been playing, which is usually, I don't know, my favorite part of the podcast, usually that and listener questions. Because I feel like by the time we get to the topics, usually we're like, shit, we're short on time. We got to get through <laughs> these as quick as we can. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we start off this episode with the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment. And basically... Well, actually, you got to do the song, huh? I got to do the song. Chris. So our listeners are probably tired of hearing this, but the story (laughs) behind the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment is that Chris from Dayton, Ohio wrote in probably episode two or three saying like, yeah, the podcast was cool and all, but I don't know who the hell any of you guys are. And we realized we forgot to really introduce (laughs) any of ourselves. We just kind of like picked up right where we left off and talked about video games and TV shows and whatever else we want to talk to. So... The, que- the original question was, like, how did you get into the industry? What was your path? And then what kind of games you play? Are there, is there specific genres you'll always play? Are there games that you continuously come back to? But it's kind of transformed and it just kind of tell us about yourself. You can say whatever you'd like to say, whether, you know, you know, whether it's about video games or not. Well, hi, Chris from Dayton, Ohio. I too am from the Midwest. I'm from Minnesota. So nice to meet you. Um, I am the editor-in-chief of uh, US Gamer, as I've already mentioned, and I came into the industry about a decade ago through oneup.com, and so I worked with all of those incredibly talented folks, specifically under Jeremy Parrish, who uh, was my boss over at US Gamer when I eventually joined over there. I love retro games. I love RPGs especially, which is what I've talked about with Kelly. I'm a Pokemon master, officially. And uh, I enjoy playing. Now, this is one's going to seem a little out of left field. I like FIFA. I like sports games. So, no, trust me, it makes a lot of sense <laughs> because if you think about Madden NFL as Pokemon, but with large, beefy men and football helmets, it makes total sense. It so, does. Wow. Like yeah. a bunch of machamps out on the field. <laughs> you got to catch them all. So. <laughs> got to no, catch all the Minnesota Vikings. So. <laughs> yeah. I want like a Pokemon sports game now. <laughs> right? That's a sports game. They're missing game I a play. chance. Like, I mean, that's what uh, FIFA Ultimate Team basically is, right? Uh, you yeah. Gotta get all the players. So I would love something more cartoonish because, like, hmm. I I grew up playing like backyard baseball and backyard soccer and all those games, and I loved those games. And I like was so it's not like inherently I don't like sports games. I just don't find like the ultra realistic like. Here's all the people from like this roster. I don't know. I don't know any <laughs> Shows of them. How much you know about <laughs> exactly. It's like, like so. It's like nothing about the exterior of sports is interesting to me. But I do actually like the act of like playing those games. So if you made like 
if like i don't know uh you, you play like a soccer game but it's like charmander's the goalie i'd be like heck yeah let's go it's like That'd the old nintendo sports games like where's mario strikers bring it back exactly. yeah yeah, yeah I, I'm, I i was surprised when i first played nfl street because i was like i don't like sports mm. games but then i played it at a friend's house and i was like actually this is pretty fun and i, I ended up NFL street. playing probably not a lot of that game but more of that game than any other sports game <laughs> I was just going to say, I think this is the first time we've ever talked about sports on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I, I always like to throw that little curveball and be like, oh, mm. by the way, I'm a nerd and I like sports. Try to work your way around that one. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> um, so would you say there's a specific game that you come back to pretty regularly? Mm. Like I noticed you've got, well, we can talk about it later, but you've got a Castlevania game in your, what you've been playing, but is there like a retro game that i don't know once a year you just find yourself playing yes there is funny that you should mention that because i've been watching game center cx on twitch lately and they were playing Star Fox 64 oh hell yeah. and Star Fox 64 might be it's definitely one of my top five favorite games of all time i can't get over all of the lines of dialogue and everything from the different characters you, you'll be seeing your dad soon fox oh, i screwed it up sorry or make way for cat <laughs> Um, and I replay that one pretty much once a year. And I think the beauty of that game is that aside from being charming as I'll get out and a lot of fun to play, you can go through the different routes. And so it feels like a totally fresh experience every single time. Like sometimes I'll be like, I think I'm going to take medios and I'm going to cut across to the medium section and then over to the hard, but then back over to the easy section and kind of wrap it up. So you can take it in so many different ways. And I really enjoy that. It's just a wonderful, wonderful game. And I'm really sad that Nintendo hasn't ever been able to truly make a good Star Fox game ever since. I remember uh, playing that game when I was younger. And when I first discovered the alternate routes, it was like mind blowing. Cause I, I know I didn't have the internet. I, well, maybe we had it, but I didn't know how to work it. And I was like, just playing that game and finding another route was just like, oh my God, there's so much more to this game that I've been playing for, for months, if not years. Um, but I will say Star Fox Adventures is a good game. It's a hill I'll die on. <laughs> <laughs> a Star Fox Adventure stand. I haven't seen one of those before. Well, the first time for everything, I guess. <laughs> uh, I think the thing that really is always really tantalizing is when you start that game up and you finish the first level, you see the big map of Lilat, and you're like, but how do I get over to that planet? How do, how do I get over there? What's happening over there? And things can change depending on which route you take. So it's like, oh, I encountered Star Wolf and I beat them. So now they're all beat up the next time that they appear or, you know, things like that. So, or if you manage, if you fail a mission, which you can do and then continue, that will have a direct impact on the next mission. It's a really brilliant little shoot 'em up And I think it has, I'm, I'm not gonna dwell on Star Fox 64 too much longer, but, it has one of the best shoot 'em up levels of all time in Area 6, in my opinion. That game, that level is just off the hook with uh, ending with the Death Star and everything. Oh, so good. So yeah, Star Fox 64, that's the game I always go back to. <laughs> I have never played Star Fox 64, and what? I had no idea there were multiple routes, and now I'm way no more idea. interested Kevin, than I ever gotta was. You got to play it. No idea. That was back at the time where we would rent most of our games. So it was like, even if I did get my hands on it, it would be for like a week and I would never be able to get that deep into something like that. Man, I had no idea. 
I think you sold me on sports games and Star Fox 64 in like five minutes. <laughs> well, you got to play Pocket Card Jockey too because it's made by Game Freak. Ooh, okay. I, okay, yeah. I have a lot on my to-do list now. <laughs> Just giving you all homework right now. So. <laughs> what did you think of uh, Star Fox 64 3D or whatever, the 3DS version? Okay, so that one was good and I own it, but... The problem I have with that one is that apparently they've lost all of the old recordings. So they got the original actors in to record all the lines again, which is great. But they recorded them in a way that was just a little bit off. Mm. And if you've heard those lines a billion times like I have, (laughs) you will go mad. You will go completely crazy (laughs) listening to those lines. And so, yeah, I have a hard time playing Star 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 Fox 64 3DS, sadly. Well, I guess it wouldn't matter to like me or John Luke if we haven't heard those lines. So that works. Oh, holy mister. Uh, I can quote, I'm just going to quote those lines for the rest of the podcast and drive your <laughs> listeners crazy. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, moving on to what we've been playing. Callie, do you want to start this off? Because the Animal Crossing summer update is out, and I know you probably have lots to say about it. Sure, I can. Um, so the first thing that I think was really cool about this update besides like the the actual new features with some of the quality of life stuff they added. Um, The main one for me being um, custom design search at the kiosk and Able Sisters. So now you can actually favorite designers, first of all, which is great because there are some custom design uh, creators that I, I really like their stuff and I want to be able to see if they've made like an update to one of their paths or like another extension for a path. Um, so that's really, really, really helpful. I've been saving them all in a folder on my phone so I can finally clear that out. And then you can also search by criteria. So you can search like grass if you're looking for a grass pattern and then get a bunch of different options with that in the title. Um, I think you can also like give your designs criteria. So that is a huge quality of life improvement. Now they just have to give us more custom design slots and then I'll be happy. And then they also, they had patched out in the previous summer update, um, there was a glitch where a lot of like aesthetic people would do this where they would, um, if you hit like the plus button right when you opened the camera, it would disable the UI and then you could take like aesthetic videos Mm. of your island and like post them as gifts or whatever. And, they patched that out and then they added it back in as a feature in this update. Mm. So you can actually turn it off with the right stick. So little things like that are nice because that one actually seemed like a direct reaction to people being upset about the patch. So hopefully they'll give us more custom design slots is what I'm saying. And then (laughs) um, the fireworks show is honestly delightful. It is such a special event. It really to 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 be a bit of a weeaboo for a second it really does feel like the fireworks festival episode of an anime where you like everyone's in the plaza and like like able sisters was selling only kimono and yukata and like kimono sandals which normally you can only get from kicks that was really special and the sparklers are really cute and isabel with her little boppers it made me feel like I was at like the Disneyland parade or something. I had a great time. And there's one that's going to be on my birthday. So I'm really excited. Oh, man, that's so great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I get to actually celebrate my birthday in Animal Crossing with the party. And then I get to have a fireworks show at Perfect. night. So I'm just really looking forward to it. I always hated being born in August because there's nothing interesting that happens in August. There's no holidays or anything. So Animal Crossing has done fireworks shows in the summer in the past. And that helped to make it feel more special. So... Um, that's my little spiel on that. Oh, and the, Dream Suite. 
<laughs> I forgot about Jason. <laughs> That's really nice because um, you can tour people's islands and you don't have to mess with like the online component and getting a dodo code from them and all that. So I toured, there's this really well-known creator, um, Denim Mori, who made The Path, which is like, if you search Animal Crossing, The Path, you will find it. And um, there are, I think it, I think, well, their island, um, I toured it and it was incredible and I got all this inspiration and, you know, I would never be able to, they're, they're Japanese, so I would never be able to really coordinate with them about just visiting. They probably get lots of requests. So having the dream suite option is really nice. I know a lot of people were really bummed out that they didn't have um, random rolling, like they did in New Leaf, where you could just randomly find a dream island. I get why they do that. I, there's a lot of islands that are named like butt stuff or like, <laughs> like, you know, whatever. And I'm like, if I had a kid, I really wouldn't want them randomly going to an island called like, I mean, the kids stuff. are the ones who are making the islands called butt stuff. I That's assume. True. So. That, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised at the age of some people whose islands are called butt stuff. So, um, I, that's a very Nintendo thing to do. And I get really annoyed when people are upset about these updates. They're all free. Like we've all put in, I mean, I, you guys have it probably. I've put in a lot of hours. Pro, I think probably six or 700 at this point. Um, oh, I'm at 450 myself. So yeah, it's, it's pretty high up there. Yeah, no, that's, I think and, that is the most I've put into a game in a long time. Yeah. Usually I cap out at 200. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, Pokemon is my my second highest on my Switch by, mm. but like, by 400 hours. Um, so I think I have like 300 something in, in Pokemon. So it's like that, you know, people are like, I paid $60 for a game that doesn't have all its content. It's like, <laughs> shut up. So that's, that is the end of my actual spiel on that update. It reminds me a little of a bit of a sports game in that it comes out... <laughs> And it doesn't have all of the features from the previous year, but they're like, oh, but here's here's some of the features. There are new features. You're like, but that was in the last game. You're just bringing it back and presenting it as a new feature, but it's free. Oh, okay. They're just trying to raise engagement. That's all they're trying to do. Yeah. I, I would love to know like what their reasoning is. I imagine that they're like, well, we were working on all of these different new things for the Switch game and we spent so much time working on these new assets that we didn't have time to put in these old features, but we're just going to keep doing it because game development is not a straight line process. Yeah, it's, I think it, it, it's probably part of that. It's probably not wanting people to time travel, even though people do, um, because they want people to experience that as it is, quote, meant to be played. And then, it, I mean, I've really liked the rollout of features because I think it would be so overwhelming if I started that game and I had to learn how to terraform and like plan my whole island and also catch sea creatures. And, you know, like I would just be, I think, too overwhelmed to really feel like I could do it all. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to time travel too, right? Just for guides. Cause like, oh, oh yeah, I'd be screwed. What happens on the, like, you'd want to get ahead of all of that stuff. Although I have managed to write all of our guides without time traveling. I guarantee somebody is going to buy, there are going to be a lot of people buying this game at Black Friday and yeah. all of these new features will be out. Not the seasonal events, but all of the current features like red and such. So they will have a lot to catch up on for sure. So. Yeah. So, um, yeah, personally, I like it. I, I understand maybe like, like being frustrated if you're someone who really like goes through that game quickly, but mad, I don't understand mad. 
It's not like they're charging for these things. Yeah, it's like it's it's exciting because it's like I you know leave Animal Crossing for a while and I hear about a new update and it's like oh cool like I have a reason to go back and and play more Animal Crossing like I don't know I can't complain about that. And I would really like all the listeners to know that you are wearing a Tom Nook beanie. <laughs> I am wearing. I ordered this uh, like in February, like months ago, and like it. I completely forgot about it. And then I got like an email last week being like, hey, all your Animal Crossing stuff you ordered like arrived. It was like, oh my God, I forgot about that. So we have a beanie. <laughs> we have like a bunch of socks. Uh, we have a um, tumbler. It's it's so, it's wonderful. You went all out. <laughs> you went are, are all you, out. Are you retiring the weed beanie? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I just, that's a Friday thing now. I won't wear it on Friday. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, so you've been playing quite a bit of Animal Crossing as well, Kat. How, how, how's your experience been so far? I mean, it's probably my game of the year right now. Uh, maybe that and Last of Us 2, because it really has been a huge comfort to me throughout this entire period. This is the first Animal Crossing that I've really, truly gotten into. I never played the 3DS one. And it's been really wonderful. I obsessively built my island from scratch. Um, I planned it all out it's fully kitted out i got a lot of all the villagers that i really like and now it's kind of become this thing where i return to it once a week or so and it's my little terrarium that i kind of shake up and say hi to all my animal friends and go shopping and see what i can put in the museum and i love a lot of the online features believe it or not i think the the social features are actually really good because just seeing the number of people who went on dates right? Mm -hmm. To go visit on each other's islands, to go hang out in the museums. I, I mean, could they be better? Absolutely. Could there be more interactivity with your animals? Yes, definitely. But what's there? Like the museum itself is so wonderful. It is so well done. It is so detailed. It's crazy. That is fun just to walk through it. So I am constantly floored at the love and attention that is given to this game. And the real secret to it, I think, is that it's educational in a way that's not overbearing, but in a way that like just makes me go, yeah, nature, yeah, history, hooray, art. So <laughs> I feel like I'm learning with this game. It's great. I love this game. I, I was just gonna say the the museum was really something that that blew me away when I first saw it. I like couldn't believe how cool it was. And um, I I you're in good company, Kat, because we are also a pro Last of Us podcast. I think a lot of people on the podcast really like Last of Us Part Two. Um, but yeah, it really is like Animal Crossing is is something that I maybe I wouldn't last year have said would be a game of the year contender. I I knew that I would like it. I've always liked Animal Crossing. Um, from the GameCube onward, except for City Folk. I didn't like City Folk for some reason. And, um, but I didn't expect it to just be like, like I've played every single day since I got it. And I, I am finding new weird meta things to do with it. And it has just been so delightful in so many ways. And I wasn't expecting it to be that high up on my list, I guess. I think just being able to sculpt your island to your own specifications, which I understand is not a thing you could do in the 3DS, really, first of all, brings out the artists and people. I've seen some mm -hmm. incredible islands, and I really appreciate the ability to terraform my island. I haven't done a ton of it because I prefer a more naturalistic look, but I also like 
how an island reflects every player's personality. There are some people who literally name their island butt stuff and just put all kinds of memes everywhere. And then there are some people who are like super artists. And then there are some people like me who are just like, I have this one nice, cozy, lived-in island where I'm saying hi to my animal buds. I, I feel like you can learn something as soon as you step foot onto their island. It's like getting a glimpse into their mind. Yeah. Like Jake's Island is really, really organized. Beautiful neighborhood. <laughs> Uh-huh. Like even all on streets. a grid system, but I yeah. kind of don't like it because I see everyone else with their like everything looks very natural, and mine's just like hard angle streets. And I was like, man, <laughs> should have come up with something better than this. But everything is like at least organized. Like I know where to find all my villagers. I know where their houses are. I probably should have organized them by like species, maybe. But was, we'll save that for another time. You also have a dump, which I love, just like a trash dump. I do have a trash dump. They let you do that for some reason. Why? It actually (laughs) makes me feel ill. (laughs) I was thinking about making the Springfield tire fire. Um, So I I still might actually do that. I I made an EDM concert uh, on my beach. It's really cool. Like mini EDC, giant panda. It's great. I love that. Um, I guess I'll go next with what I've been playing. I think we might save Jean-Luc. We'll save you for the last since you're playing, since you played a big game. Rel- relevant I stuff. I yeah. Guess. Yeah, I know. Well, I, oh, I guess I've been playing. Crossing is <laughs> <laughs> I guess I've been playing Fall Guys. Uh, I mean, I have been playing Fall Guys. I don't, I, you know. Uh, <laughs> you but, don't need to guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's, for those who don't know what it is, it's basically like, mxc meets battle royale uh in a video game like like it's kind of like what is it human fall flat except there's 60 people running towards the end of this race and people fall off and get knocked off and there's like a bunch of different mini games you play as you go through and the objective is just to be you know battle royale last one alive uh and, and it's fun i don't know how long i'll play it uh what interests me most about this game though is how it was released. It reminded me a lot of how Rocket League was released and that kind of came out during the summer. It was free on for PlayStation Plus users. So I think this game's going to be big. I mean, it already is big. I was checking the Steam concurrence today and there's 70,000 people playing it, which is crazy considering that's not the free version. Uh, but yeah, overall, like if you got a PlayStation, I think it's definitely worth giving a shot because it is, it, it's a fun time. You probably won't stick with it for super long, unless they, you know, add some pretty substantial updates. But what's there is, is a lot of fun. Um, oh, I should probably mention, we will have a review of Fall Guys up. That's yeah, hopefully my job. by the time this podcast goes up. Yeah, so, um, yeah, we're hoping by the end of the week, uh, basically, if everything goes according to plan. Um, so definitely check that out if you're interested for more rounded out thoughts. Yes, we're going to have a review over on US Gamer tomorrow, I think. I think the one, the question I'm wondering is, we've I've seen a lot of com- comparisons to Rocket League, and I think it's apt, but Rocket League has had a lot of staying power because it's actually a very deep and interesting game, and people discovered advanced techniques really quickly, and it just became this fascinating, wonderful sports game. <laughs> I guess that's the theme. <laughs> we're back there the podcast, again. Uh, to watch, and, and it was... I found Rocket League fascinating because it was like it made people love soccer who didn't normally love s- sports games. It it captured the the fun of actually playing sports rather than simulating sports, right? Mm-hmm. 
a game like Fall Guys feels like more of a flavor of the month kind of situation where it's like, mm-hmm. this is a lot of fun. I can stream this for a weekend, but it feels kind of destined to fall off. What can it do to not fall off? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that based on what I've played so far. It kind of seems like there's not nearly as much depth as there is to something like Rocket League. I think the way it could, you know, not fall off, not become a fall guy is <laughs> uh, w- would be through just adding more mini games, balancing a lot of these mini games because some of them feel pretty unbalanced. Uh, but I-, I think largely like in order to keep this game alive, they'll need to keep adding more and more mini games. But at the same time, I wonder how that would affect the game itself. Like you could be doing really well and just get a mini game you're really bad with. And that's all luck, right? Like sure, most battle royale games are based on luck. But usually there there is some skill involved. Like you can make the best of a bad situation. With this, it's like, oh, you just got a mini game that A, either you don't like or B, you're just not good at. And then that could kind of mess up your game. Luckily, they're pretty short, you know, like it, it like I think I made it to the end on one and it was like 10 minutes. So it's not like you're wasting a ton of time just to get a bad mini game after yeah, all. Versus that. PUBG where you could be playing for 25 minutes and then die and you're yeah. like, no. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I too am curious to see what people will think of that game in the long run. Uh, but right now, like, I, I definitely recommend it, especially if you've got a PlayStation, PlayStation Plus, uh, and maybe a couple friends to play with. Like, it's, it'll, you'll at least laugh, you know, for a couple days from it. Um, but other than that, I finished Dark Souls 1. So now I'm on to Dark Souls 2. Ooh. Which, Congratulations, you're a real gamer now. I know, thank you. It, it only took me nine years to beat the first one. <laughs> like, I remember getting that game in 2011 because everyone wow. said it was better than Skyrim. And being like, no, not better than Skyrim. Although now that I, I finished Dark Souls. I that game in 2011. And really? I, reviewing that game without guides is the purest form of hell oh (laughs) yeah yeah tamor had such a i know he had a bad time with sekiro like at one point where he was like i i don't know i don't know what to do we gave it to our dark souls person and they came out like scarred they're like i love this game but i don't know i i'm i will Mm -hmm. never i will bear the scars of this game forever (laughs) tamor cried when he finally (laughs) beat a boss that he was stuck on for 12 hours or whatever oh no uh but I, this is, this is, this is my controversial take of the day, but I think I might like Dark Souls 2 more than Dark Souls 1. What? However, I, I have wow. a caveat. I have been playing, I've been playing Dark Souls 2 from start to where we are now in co-op entirely. Uh, like I'm not doing any solo because I was originally told I probably wouldn't like Dark Souls 2 as much. And I just wanted to get it over with. It's like, all right, well, why don't we just do like a campaign? So we've got literally like, uh, a cleric who's got the bell and heals us and it, it is broken it is so broken like we all have i think like eight heels now plus he's got 12 heels on his bell uh and we're just like steamrolling <laughs> through every area we go to so i think it's less that i like the game more than dark souls one i think it's just that i'm having a lot of fun playing through this game in co-op with like two other friends um but that said i i am really enjoying dark souls 2 i I kind of get the hate it gets. Maybe hate's a bad, a strong word for it. Cause I think generally people still like this game. Uh, Cause like, you know, right off the bat, the level design and the world design, I don't think is nearly as interesting. And some of the boss's backstory, I don't think are as cool, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe the key to loving <laughs> Dark Souls 2 is just 
getting getting like a whole raid party together and just <laughs> blowing through that game. Which which version are you playing? Are you playing the Scholar or the original version? We're we're doing Scholar. Uh, okay. Which I originally I made it pretty far on the Xbox 360 version back in the day. Because once again, I bought that game when it came out and didn't play much of it. But actually, I'm finding out that I did play quite a bit of that game. Like, we're almost halfway through the game. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I've seen beyond this. Uh, so clearly, I just, like, got to a point where I gave up yeah. and stopped playing. I, I asked because I that's the version I played. And I also came away from it pretty mixed at the end. Like, I... I don't, I don't think it deserves as much hate as it gets, but I, I definitely had a lot of problems with it. I've, I've been going on a, a age bomber guy binge because he recently put out that big video where he's been, uh, he talked about Ruby for two and a half hours, and that was like super <laughs> on good. brand for you. <laughs> yeah, that's like a very on brand thing for me doing. Like, I'm gonna watch this two and a half hour video of a British guy complaining about a children's show, uh, <laughs> but. Um, I've been watching through his old content and he made one defending Dark Souls 2 and, and talking about it made me want to play it again. But one of the things he said was like, you should only play the original. You shouldn't play Scholar or at least you shouldn't play Scholar first because it's basically like a harder version of the game. And I, I kind of knew that when I originally played it, but I didn't realize quite to the extent like him saying that made me go like research and it's like actually the enemy placement is like significantly harder. And I'm, I'm really wondering if that influenced my opinion on that game. Cause I do remember that game just being punishingly frustrating, like so difficult at times and being like, I hate this game. Like, why is it so difficult? Like, why are they place all these enemies here that just immediately kill me? And apparently that is unique to the scholar version. So I kind of want to go back and play the original version. Uh, that does mean I have to shell out another 40 bucks to play a game I already own. I don't know how I feel about that, but uh, watching that video and watching uh, you and Matt stream all the Souls games have been like making me want to go back and play all those. It's interesting you bring up enemy placement because I'm playing through, I guess, Scholar of the First Sin. That is one thing I've noticed that the enemy placement is like so, I don't want to say haphazard because clearly there was still a lot of thought put into enemy placement, but it is nowhere near as good as it was in Dark Souls. Like, there's one particular area before you fight the chariot boss. I don't remember what this boss is called, and I literally just fought him yesterday. Oh, uh, but there's these about, there's these guys that hang out on top of these poles, and you get to a certain point, and only one will jump out and attack you. But if you take like two steps further, all six of them will just rush you and destroy you every single time. And it's just like, why is this a thing? Like, like I get being unfair and mm. maybe not unfair, but I get being difficult. But this just seems like stupid like it doesn't yeah. make sense like why are there these six people there that that somehow these other five break the rules and like will attack me right away like i, I don't but know you they're, they're like it better than the original dark souls <laughs> yeah I, i'm thinking you don't yeah <laughs> I, I i don't know like you I'm like the more experience fun. you're having yeah i'm having more, more fun with dark souls 2 than dark souls 1 but yeah what what you just said Kelly, i think that is mostly due to the experience i'm having and playing through it with other people i think if i was playing it by myself which i actually guess i did you know in 2014 or whenever it came out and i fell off like i probably would not enjoy it as much and i'd be like yeah i just want to get this over with so i can move on to dark souls 3. the thing i want to try because because one of h bomber guys like main points is that he thinks uh shields are actually the worst thing about the soul series and that they're bad and that they make you play bad 
and that you're better so they're if you a Bloodborne play... stand, in other words. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, basically, like apparently the the reason he made that Dark Souls video is he made a Bloodborne video talking about great Bloodborne was very good. In it, he kept making like bits about why Dark Souls is actually really Dark Souls Two is good, and then he made so many of them he just cut it out into its own separate like hour long video. Uh, but yeah, but basically, like. I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know if I agree because I haven't tried it, but I, it makes me want to be like, okay, maybe I should play two because I do remember playing with a shield uh, and like playing very defensively. And he's like, no, don't play that way. You should like play it without a shield. You need to like master the dodge. And I'm like, okay, I kind of want to give that a try. I want to I test his theory and see if it actually makes the game better. I find parrying mechanics so finicky that I hate, I, I get annoyed at games that force me to rely on them almost exclusively, see Sekiro as well. So yeah. uh, I can see why people are like, well, get good, uh, go learn how to parry properly. And it's more skill-based than just hiding behind your shield. But I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I like having a range of options. And I think Dark Souls definitely gives that to you. I Maybe agree. more so than like Sekiro yeah, or something like that. I would, I would agree with that. I, I'm actually playing it without a shield, but I am playing as like a, I don't know. I shoot soul spears at enemies. You're playing long. it like an MMO, so it's... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I'm playing. I'm playing very range, so I don't really have to <laughs> learn to dodge at all. Uh, but I, I will say, like, I don't. I can't even imagine trying to play the first Dark Souls without a shield. <laughs> like, I there's like, oh my god, some of those bosses and the in the final boss of Dark Souls. Like parrying is how you just destroy him. Um, so, like, you, you kind of need a shield. I feel like. Shout out to Matt Paget, master of parrying. Yeah, dude, I've been burned on parrying ever since Ocarina of Time. I could not figure that shit out. Oh, yeah, neither could I. <laughs> but it's so easy in Ghost of Tsushima, where you can just abuse oh, yeah. enemies with parrying because the timing is so forgiving in that game. You and I can get it right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Cat, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? I'm a little bit between games at the moment because I finished Gozu Tsushima around the time that it was being under review. I've been going back to games in my backlog. So two things that I'm doing right now. One is I'm just trying to play through classic retro games that I have not finished. One of them is Castlevania Dracula X Rondo of Blood Ooh. on the TurboGrafx-16 Mini, uh, which I reviewed over on US Gamer. And I think I'm on like level six. And whenever I play that game, it's just everything clicks together. It, the music, the visuals, the art style, uh, the platforming is surprisingly good. The boss battles mm -hmm. are intense. I wouldn't necessarily call it the best Castlevania. I think that there's a strong argument to be made. If you're looking at classic Castlevania games, maybe the original might be the sharpest of them all, but Dracula X, if you haven't played it, like actually really sat down and played it beyond the first couple levels, really hard, but really fun. So that, that's my challenge to myself this summer. I think it's the one I'd recommend to people. We're yeah. like, we're, we're in, because I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know which one I would say is my favorite, but like I, I could see an argument for somebody like looking at the original and feeling like, oh, that looks like, I guess if they're, they're not somebody who's a fan of retro games, they're like, oh, that's a little too archaic looking. It looks too old although i would disagree but i could see that argument but like i think there's something about rondo's presentation that i think makes it like a very approachable castlevania mm -hmm. to like recommend even though it is actually like really difficult i don't know it's got a it's got like that anime opening that's just like gets you hyped and you're like yeah castlevania <laughs> and like the remix of um 
the ah, I forget the name of the the main theme, but like the the, mm-hmm. the remix the, of the, the ca- classic track, the, the classic Castlevania theme. Yeah, that classic theme, the the rendition of it at the beginning of of uh, the the first level of Rondo of Blood is like so good. Oh, oh, it's wonderful. Every time, every time I play it, like I'll I'll sometimes load it up just to play the first level and get heights. <laughs> And then Dracula X can take you straight into Symphony of the Night, which is the yeah. best of the Metroidvania-style games. So Very it's a true. great one-two punch for sure. So yeah. uh, The other game that I've been playing, and this one's for Cali, is... I. So I never finished Pokemon Sword and Shield when it came out. I just kind of fell off it for whatever reason. And so I've now that the Isle of Armor DLC is out, I've finally circled back around... I finished the main game and I'm actually raising Pokemon now. And I think Callie, were you the one? No, it was a different friend. <laughs> Sorry. Somebody else <laughs> gave me a Farfetch'd with uh, the Scrappy. Oh yeah. I didn't have a Scrappy Farfetch'd for you. And I can never forgive you for that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I've been, I've raised a whole bunch of Pokemon and I've been playing through the singles ranked ladder and actually having a fair amount of success by putting a choice scarf on a Hydreigon. So Yeah, choice yeah, choice Hydreigon is like is so good. I know it has a four times weakness to fairy, mm-hmm. but I still love him. I Jake see I bring has a, a Hydreigon. I bring a Volcarana with me so that I can take out the the fairies that might be getting in my way. And mm-hmm. I and I also have a Corviknight that I raised up in this one because Corviknight is very, very good. It's this giant black steel bird that looks really cool. Oh, I so. know. I love goth bird. <laughs> I, yeah. When I was playing a lot of Pokemon Sword and Shield, Corviknight was like my wall. <laughs> like just nothing could get past it. And it, I, it had a roost too, which I think was like mm-hmm. very difficult to get on it. Uh, I think. I don't know. I, don't I, I taught I remember, Jake everything he knows. <laughs> yeah, Callie did. <laughs> it helped me a lot in terms of understanding Pokemon. <laughs> so this is what I'm going to say about Pokemon Sword and Shield. It is underrated. It is a good generation, in my opinion. I think I really like a lot of the ideas that they brought to the table. They're, they don't execute upon them that well in some cases. The wild area really is rough, but I think the sentiment is correct. And I like the Galar region. It's pretty. People always yeah. obsess over these trees. But if you look at the actual towns, it's great. And I might have mentioned that I like sports and it's freaking soccer themed. They wear <laughs> like soccer kits when they're playing in the stadiums and the stadiums look like actual German soccer stadiums. It's great. I love it. Did you uh, pick um, Score Bunny to start? I did. Yes. The and soccer he, bunny. He falls into a soccer bunny. I named him Messi after Leo Messi <laughs> and... His signature attack is him literally kicking a fireball into people's face, and he's so OP. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I think the Isle of Armor wild area is such a strong improvement over the mm. main game wild totally. area, too. Like, I, I read about this in my review, but, like, the the main game's wild area is such a cool, like, proof of concept almost but it is very samey and it's kind of weird going from one section to the next and the weather suddenly changes, but the actual environments don't really change. Whereas in Isle of Armor, it is so much more varied. The being able to see that giant whale lord in the distance and then swim out to it and fight it is, is so cool. That's like the first time in any Pokemon game where whale lord is as large as it should be. And of course it's not that large when you get into battle, but it's still cool. And um, like the mountains and the, the kind of like marshland, like there's really cool um, scenery and locales in Isle of Armor that I really appreciate. So 
I think it's it's a good iteration upon that idea. I'm excited for Crown, Crown Tundra now. Uh, mm. I was already excited for it, but I'm really looking forward to some of the like dungeon elements that they are saying they're going to add to that. Some of the Pokemon that are coming. Because um, I think, I mean, Volcarona has been confirmed. I forget if it was Isle of Armor or Crown Tundra. Yeah, it's but it, in Isle of Armor. So yeah. I'm using in the ladder so you, and everything. You can finally get it back on that team. I brought um, my buddy and I brought my buddy the Volcarona in from Pokemon Black and White. So. Oh, cute. So the double Unova, one, two punch from Unova. Have you heard um, what, what it's called in Germany? No, what is it? Uh, raw moth like mothra <laughs> because apparently the german localization team is like really big into godzilla so there's like a bunch of like easter eggs um yeah so there, there's a lot that i really like about isle of armor and it's also like i do think that the galar region made it really fun to just collect pokemon and that was something that i hadn't really been doing for a while i'd never caught them all before like i'd never completed a pokedex just because i would give up um, or I didn't have friends to trade with in the case of the earlier Pokemon games. Mm-hmm. I would trade with myself and that only got me so far. But um, it, it makes it like it's fun to see the Pokemon you need out in the open and be like, oh my God, I haven't gotten that one yet. Um, there, there's something special about that. So I would agree that I think I think Sword and Shield got caught up in in like some negative. Some real toxic negativity, unfortunately. But yeah. on its merits... Pokemon Sword and Shield is one of the stronger generations in a while, in my opinion. And if they ever get around to actually finishing off the National Pokedex, I think people will eventually come around on it. Mm -hmm. I just want to add, and I I won't dwell on this too much longer, but a a lot of praise for the Isle of Armor's main quest. It is one of the best, like, straight-up quests that I've played because it actually has you raising a Pokemon and engaging with all of the mechanics in a really natural way and caps off with a really satisfying final boss fight. It's really well done. Uh, for a, And I'm constantly ragging on Pokemon and being like, have more content, have more interesting quests, give stuff to high-level players, don't just cater to low-level players. And with the Isle of Armor DLC, I think they really did that. Yeah, I would agree. I like it it gave me a reason to ev train cub because like mm-hmm. ev training is the fastest way to improve friendship because if you completely ev train a pokemon it'll you'll max out friendship just by feeding it candy or uh, just spend money on the vitamins. medicines yep so um that was really nice i love that you can find mints in the wild now that was really helpful and then um, you make max soups so that you can get uh, the gigantic max forms for a lot of your imported Pokemon. Yeah, that now your really shinies, nice. your shinies are worthwhile again. And then, on top of that, um, you can find a flame orb out in the desert. I think I talked about this on the podcast. The flame orb ruined my life. I <laughs> I worked. I really wanted to have an obstagoon. Jake bred me a shiny Zigzagoon to use as an obstagoon. I really wanted flame orb obstagoon for like a gimmick that I wanted to try and I couldn't get a flame orb anywhere. And eventually a friend of ours traded it to me cause he didn't need it. And then I, when I found, I like stumbled upon it. I like just stared at my switch for 30 seconds. Like I can't, can't believe I, I did the, the elite four equivalent, like 50 times trying to get that. I maxed oh, out God. my money in the game trying to get the, I wrote an article about it. I like really, really went in deep on the flame orb 
And for it, it was like, I felt like that tweet where he was like, I've been working on this story for months and he just tweeted it out. Like, that's how I felt finding <laughs> that flame warp. So in conclusion, I'm- My life is a good headline, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it really did. Um, but yeah, and I've also enjoyed like, uh, I really like trading and I like collecting rare Pokemon, like like hidden ability Pokemon. So um, I felt really bad when I didn't have that scrappy far-fetched for you, but- now I want one. <laughs> well, I forgave you this time. <laughs> <laughs> I have Corsola. If you ever need Corsola, plenty Ooh, of those. I do need one of those. Thank you. Oh, I have perfect ones. Cool. Yes. All right, Jean-Luc, you've been playing the heavy hitters this week. Do you want to give us a rundown? <laughs> sure. Um, so first I uh, got to check out Horizon Zero Dawn on PC. Um, Horizon was one of my favorite games of uh, probably this generation. I really, really liked that game a lot. So I was excited to hop back in on PC. Fortunately, the PC version's got some tech issues. Um, me and me and Michael Hyam, who did like the review update for it, uh, we both had very similar issues. Um, I've seen some people online, because the embargo is lifted and other people are giving their opinions, saying how they haven't had those issues, so your mileage may vary. I know it should be out today by the time this podcast is up. So, so I was encountering issues like, uh, like hard like freezes for like ten seconds in cutscenes, just random stuttering throughout the world, um, audio like doubling on each other, uh, all stuff you don't want in your very story heavy game that like really breaks you out of it. Um, they did do that day one patch uh, today, like earlier this morning, and I played Meaning a little bit Wednesday. more Wednesday, and I haven't encountered any of that yet, and it does seem like it has fixed the hitching, so that is pretty good. Um, unfortunately, I'm still having a couple of odd issues. The, the weird one was the, the game's slow-mo ability, concentration, uh, doesn't work. Like, the, the slow-mo just doesn't work in the game. Which is a big deal. <laughs> Which is a big deal. So, like, it's not just that ability. It's, like, and you, you unlock it where it's, like, when you jump in the air, like, it'll slow-mo. Or, like, when you, like, do, like, a side, like, um, like a slide, it'll, it'll slow-mo. Or even when you pull up the radial menu. It's supposed to slow everything down so you can, like, take your time to, like, switch to your weapon or craft more arrows. Mm-hmm. doesn't work. Um, interestingly that's enough... That's not good because that's, like, a very important part of taking down some of those bigger machines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, it makes it a lot harder. Um, but interestingly enough, it actually, so Michael messaged me being like, hey, is, are you having this issue? And I actually, it was actually working for me, the slow-mo um, at first on my one PC I was playing on. I had to switch to a different PC because my, it's a whole thing, but my current PC is like dying for like, so I was like, okay, this isn't a great place to test this game because my PC is having all sorts of issues. So I switched to like an office PC that I, I have at, the, uh, at home. And then that PC does have the bug. So I have like one PC that I can play. And I, and I checked it with the day one patch. I went back to the other PC. I have one PC, slow-mo works. Another PC, slow-mo doesn't work. Michael told me he tested it on two PCs and both of those, the slow-mo didn't work. So that's bizarre. That's bizarre. Yeah. S- small issues like that. Uh, I don't know if... So I, I tried a little bit on controller and it felt like there, I was having a hard time hitting things and it felt like the auto aim wasn't really there. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Um, so I checked, there is an auto aim setting. I turned it off because it was already on and I noticed no difference at all. So it seems like either that auto aim is 
very imperceptible or it's also not working correctly. So, are you are you playing with a PlayStation 4 controller or are you playing with an Xbox? Uh, playing with an Xbox controller. Uh, see, that, that's probably Herman Holst punishing you for doing that. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't it the same engine that Death Stranding is on? And Death Stranding's PC port was good. Was fantastic, yeah. I mean, obviously different people, I'm sure, ported it. and, and I, like Sure. That. But the um, engine itself, it, it's just strange that so many of there's like small and large bugs. Right, uh, right. This is Gorilla Games's main game. They did some support work on Death Stranding, but so you would think it would be the all, all the way around. That right, exactly, right. That would be pristine. But. Yeah, uh, but I, I will say, you know, that day one patch did iron out the majority of those like really bad issues, like the hitching and stuff. So that seems like that's fine, and it's really just these like small issues that again like it it seems kind of i don't know why it happens like me and michael were trying to figure out like okay why is this one pc work with the slow-mo why is the other one not i have the exact same settings on it so i have no idea why um but there's other people who are saying they haven't had those issues so your mileage may vary i i would say you know if you're really excited for it and you want to get it uh go for it but you might end up having a couple of small issues that you might want to just wait for uh hopefully like a patch soon to fix it i think there's small enough issues that if they patch that stuff like awesome it'll be a great version of the game to play but at least right now it's it's kind of messy for me Mm -hmm. at least which is a little bit of a bummer were you able to get it at 4k at a high frame rate because i know that our reviewer was having a lot of trouble with that no um your Michael I, had tons of frame rate issues. Yeah, we were having a lot of it, it, it. No, basically, like it would be pretty. I, I could get it at like fourteen forty p and like have it relatively consistent. Especially after the patch. Before the patch, like absolutely not. With the patch now, it's it's more stable. But four K, no, unfortunately not. Um, but I also don't have a top of the line PC. But I Michael Michael's PC is he's got like that. Uh, He's got the tech editor He's PC. He's got that 2080 super <laughs> in there. And so he should have been able to do it where I couldn't have. And he was apparently not able to get like a consistent success. And yet your dying PC had fewer issues? Yeah, weird. All right. <laughs> I, I don't know I wonder, what's up with that. I wonder if part of it comes down to the fact, like when you want to compare it to Death Stranding, is that I feel like Death Stranding, they knew while they were developing it that this would eventually come to PC and they were able to kind of prepare for that. Well, Horizon, I mean, this is just mm. speculation. While Horizon Zero Dawn, I imagine right. when they were developing that, they did not think that game was coming to PC. Um, and I wonder if there's just like a lot of, I don't know, reverse engineering that needs to be done, that needed to be done in order to get that game running on PC. Obviously, there's just speculation. I don't know yeah. anything about game design. But uh, that that kind of jumps to the forefront of my head when I'm trying to like wrap my mm-hmm head around this that makes sense I, I can see that being the case for sure yeah but on our armchair observation it does make sense <laughs> but right we who knows it could be a billion things that could could cause it uh but yeah but if you're excited for it i would uh but but you're a little hesitant because of some issues i would say just maybe maybe wait and keep an eye on it and see if they patch out that stuff i mean i'm sure michael will be diligent about updating that um because I'd actually like to to keep playing more of it because I do, like I said, I really like that game a whole lot. And it's it does look really gorgeous on PC when everything's working great. Like it's it's still a beautiful game. Yeah. And Robot Dinosaurs remains a compelling premise to me. Absolutely. <laughs> I love I, that. Yes. 
Yes, Perhaps I, the only compelling premise about Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm a killjoy. Aww. This is the one I'm going. This is my hill to die on. I don't like Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> All right, that's fair. I think I think it's time for us to move on. John Luke, do you want to talk to us about the Avengers beta, which you had a chance to play? Sure. Uh, yeah, that that is also available today uh, at the time of this release for those who pre-ordered the game. Uh, the Avengers beta, man, that is a game that I like the whole time they've been like revealing that game. I have been like, I don't care about this. This game looks like whatever. Like, I, I think that game has had such a poor showing where the, the most they've shown is that like opening, um, like eight, they call it a day. It's like the San Francisco sequence where like they're swapping between every Avenger and it's like super scripted. And you're like, mm-hmm. ah, this doesn't look great. That mission is in the beta it's just as boring as you think it is like watching it, which is really unfortunate because once you get later in the game to the actual like playing of it, I think it gets a lot better. It's a game that like you really have to give it time to like appreciate its better elements, um, which I think is going to be a really hard sell for a lot of people. I think a lot of people are going to end up bouncing off of it because of Mm -hmm. that. But once you get into it where you're actually like, picking your different characters and you're starting to like learn their different skills you you start to like appreciate what they're doing more where they're they're building this i mean the game is destiny like we've kind of like people keep <laughs> making that destiny comparison it is totally destiny like it has that like you have a power level and each gear has like associated power and then you like rank that up and you you do like they're called war zones, but they're basically just strikes from Destiny, and you go in with your your friends, <laughs> really? and you're like, yeah, like it's the same thing, and they're like repeatable missions, and they have like a single player that you're doing that you unlock more of that stuff, like the single player in Destiny Two that you then eventually unlock the multiplayer. Hmm. It's got a hub area. It's it's like a helicarrier ship that's like their social space, so it's their version of the tower. But where I think the game has potential is that every Unlike, say, Destiny, where it's like, okay, you have the three different classes, and they have different abilities, but for the most part, it plays... You shoot stuff. You shoot stuff. It plays relatively the same. You could totally go into, um, you know, a multiplayer in Destiny, and everyone could be a hunter, and it doesn't really matter for the most part, except in, like, very extreme raid circumstances where you need something super specific. In Avengers, you have to always play a different hero. So there's a lot more team composition where you're like, I'm going to play Iron Man, who's like ha- super mobile, can fly around whenever he wants. Um, so I forget who it was, but somebody, it was maybe Jordan, was making a joke about how it's actually better than um, Anthem because there's no cooldown and you can just <laughs> fly whenever you want and you don't have a, a restriction on it. But it's like, yeah, like as, as Iron Man, you can like fly around and you could be like, okay, I'm going to shoot stuff from the side, and then you could go play, uh, like Kamala Khan, who is very like crowd controlly with her abilities, and so there's a real sense of like, oh, if I actually play with a group of friends and we all pick different heroes, we can have like a very coordinated team. Mm-hmm. And once you start to like appreciate like the nuances of like the way each character works, um, like it start the the combat starts to click more. I, I heard one. I heard oh, one yeah. of the problems. Sorry, I don't no, want no. to interrupt you, but I heard one of the problems is: let's say you're a Black Widow main. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can be in a situation where somebody else takes Black Widow, yes, and you're like <laughs> kind of stuck, and that doesn't seem super optimal, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's actually uh, exactly what I was going to bring up: is that it 
is you have that exact case scenario where like, okay, what happens when somebody picks your other character? Like you're kind of screwed and you have to pick, uh, you have to pick a different hero and you have access to all the heroes, but none of them will be leveled up. None of, like none of the gear transfers over. So you'd have to start from scratch. So the way you would have to play the game, if you want to play with other people, ideally you would have like a main and a second main, like a backup. Mm-hmm. And and just hope that neither of them are being picked because it's a lot to ask. Yeah. It is a lot to ask, and and you can play the whole game single player. You can absolutely like they actually let you bring in like AI to play it single player, but that also has two problems. One, I don't think the combat you, you don't get the full combat experience because the AI partners are just kind of whatever. They're just kind of doing their own thing, and you don't feel like you're really like coordinating. And you're not really like experiencing, I think, what they want the combat to be when you're just playing with AI. The second problem is those AI um, are using the gear and levels that you gave them, which means you have to grind out those characters for them to have good stats as well. So basically, this game requires a lot of grinding. Um, I mean, like, I played the beta for about five hours and to get to the like last mission, which was like a little bit harder than the others, I was able to get one character to that um, and like get through that mission. But the idea of like, okay, do you want to just keep grinding out like Iron Man? And I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I don't know how this game is going to pan out. I think when it, when it, when you're doing exactly what they want and you have like the, you know, everyone's like playing their character and like you're, you're doing your combos. Like, I think that's really cool, but there's a lot to ask to get there. Mm. The progression seems like really complicated in like, there's like, if like character level, which gives you skills, you have like the power level, which is like the destiny thing. They also have challenge card, which is basically a battle pass uh, for like cosmetics every character has their own battle pass what? so that is if oh you God. so like <laughs> if you wanted to like max out this game you would be grinding out like you know six battle passes which that's such which, a pain what and, and again like i i think what they're going for is you shouldn't do that you should ideally just like find your hero and you're only really focusing on them but then you run into all those problems, like I said. Or what happens? But if, if somebody- you wanted to buy battle pass for all of them, you know they're not going <laughs> to stop you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but the battle. To be fair, the battle pass is purely cosmetic stuff. It's not related to like uh, points or anything like that. So um, you don't need it to like get, have a good character. But that's just it's so much grinding. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. I I think where for me I could potentially be interested in the game is that. I do think it's like the single player where it's like they're the single player is actually entirely single player. I don't think you can play those missions with other people. And that's where all the cutscenes happen. And I mean, your mileage is going to vary for how much you care about Marvel and Avengers and those characters. But I thought they were very well-made cutscenes. I think the character dynamics are, are, you know, like fun. Like Kumala Khan is basically like this like Avengers nerd. Who's like trying to get them all back together. So she's like, kind of like this like teen geek who's like freaking out and like they're all just like these jaded superheroes who like don't care and she's trying to get them back together it's a fun enough story that i'm like okay you clearly put a lot of effort into this it's well acted 
this could be enough to carry me through and play at least that part. Once I'm done with it, I don't know if I'll care to actually invest in their their end game. I mentioned it last week, but like, I, I don't know, as someone who really liked the Crystal Dynamics Tomb Raider games, I could not be less interested in this game. <laughs> like, I, and it bums me out because I really do like those Tomb Raider games, but I don't know, just like all the things you've you said right now, just is uh, I'm just getting less and less interested. Yeah. My bold prediction is that it's going to review poorly and yet somehow be in the top 10 MPDs at the end of the year. And you're going to be like, how did that happen? And the answer <laughs> is you're going to get a lot of kids who are so pumped to play Iron Man yeah. in this yeah. adventures multiplayer game. It's, it's going to do well. It might not work necessarily. And a lot of people will probably bounce off it, but it's going to make, it's going to do the numbers. Totally. I mean, yeah, at its best, it has that charm that like uh, Ultimate Alliance 3 has, where it's like, oh, you can just pick whatever character you want, and you're having fun, and you're playing with your friends. But where that game's like super quick and arcadey, and it's like easy to like get into it, this game feels like it just has like this checklist of like grinding and menus that you have to get through to like get to the good stuff. And I think that's where, I think that's where people are going to bounce off. I think that it, as long as it's not a total disaster, and it doesn't sound like it's a total disaster, it just no. seems kind of underwhelming slightly. Mm-hmm. As long as it's not followed 76 level of bad, you're fine. <laughs> yeah. That's the bar. <laughs> yeah, that's where the bar is. Don't have literally a thousand bugs or more. Thank so. you. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, we're going to skip topics today and we're going to head straight to listener questions. All right, and moving on to listener questions. If you've got any questions, you can email us at afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com or you can join our Discord by DMing myself or Jean-Luc or Lucy or Tamor, probably not Callie because her DMs are closed (laughs) uh, for good reason. (laughs) Uh, But the first question here comes from David. Uh, Do you want to take it, Callie? Yes. Hey, all. I just wanted to tell y'all that I've been listening to your backlog since your episode with Jeff Bacalar, and I have made it back to the present just in time to email you congratulations for a full year worth of episodes. Congrats, you did it. I didn't realize it was a whole year. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. If you did pick this to read, I've got two questions. You can pick one to answer because one is much more general than the other. We'll probably do both, though. And I actually did respond to David a little bit, too. Oh, you did? I did. Okay. <laughs> For one, why does Callie hate Jinx and Magmar? I definitely understand hating Jinx, but Magmar, he's just my favorite lava slug dude. So for context, I emailed David back and I was like, it's the balls on his face. And then uh, David was like, I was thinking of Slugma. So we had a convo about that, but I was like, balls on the face. And then number two, for everyone else, what type of doctor is Dr. Pepper? Because I refuse to believe they're an MD. That's David from Ardmore which was the name of a street in my hometown. Obviously a dentist, right? <laughs> I, I mean, I imagined a small town chemist. <laughs> yeah, like a... From like the old west? Yeah, like, like what they used to call pharmacists. Yeah, yeah I like that I one. I that. like... Snake oil salesman. So actually, actually, you guys know me and my trash TV. Um, 
there is a show called Married at First Sight where they make people <laughs> marry each other <laughs> before they've met. And on, and it's like relationship experts who like match people. I actually don't really like it, but my mom watches that, so I'll watch it with her. And uh, one of the relationships, relationship experts, her name is Dr. Is Pepper? Dr. Pepper Schwartz. No way. Wow. So that's the kind of doctor that Dr. Pepper is, a reality TV show doctor. Perfect. There we go. I think we've answered the question. Yeah, I think we've solved it. Yep. All right. Next question. John Luke, do you want to read this one? Sure. Hey, GameSpot After Dark crew. In your opinions, what makes a game appealing to you to play? For me, it's a great open world game that has different things for me to do, like Ghost of Tsushima or an Assassin's Creed game. That is from Super PVS on Discord. I think that's a three. PV3. Wow. Cannot read. You did a great job reading the question, though. That's Perfect. Important. That's all you need. <laughs> I have a ready answer to this one. I will play any game where I can assemble a team. I think I mentioned that I like sports well, then, games. Oh, because... boy, does Marvel's Avengers game <laughs> very... for you. <laughs> but here's, I mean, the teams aren't, the roster isn't very large in that game, right? And uh, also, No. <laughs> I'm not building a party. I'm only playing as one of the characters at a time. I like a game where I can get a full team. So give me a Fire Emblem or a, a FIFA or a Pokemon or anything like that. And I will spend hours sometimes laying in bed going, well, what if I put together this combination mm. and they will synergize so well? This will be great. I have to go try it right now. So that's my kind of game. I, my mom told me that when I was little, she asked me, what do I, what do I think about when I'm trying to go to sleep? And I said, uh, Pokemon team combinations. Yes. I will actually be laying there feeling really stressed out. My heart will be beating fast. I'm sweating. I'm going, but could I possibly get Rishu and Score Bunny into one yeah. group? It might not work. Yep. Same. Great minds. So yeah, I am with you on that. I, I got to think a little bit. Jake or John Luke, do you have an answer? Uh, well, I mean, I, I my answer is kind of dumb, but I whenever there's a game that doesn't have a HUD for some reason, I'm just like so much more interested because I'm like, well, what, what clever way are they going to convey this information to me? And when it is clever, I'm like, Oh, this is really neat. Uh, so, so I'm always curious in trying out games that don't rely on HUD. I think it's a big reason why the Metro games originally like drew me in so well was because like everything, like everything in that game, I think is, is all displayed in game. Did you like the Tsushima guiding wind mechanic? I did. I liked it quite a bit, even though I didn't like Ghost of Tsushima all that much. That might be mm-hmm. my uh, my my Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I guess I I really like town building, mm. um, yes. city building. I will play. I when I was younger, I would play literally any game with Tycoon in the title. I bought every Tycoon oh. game. I was really into that. So like management sims is something I'm really drawn to. I love town building. There's a new game, um, Littlewood, that's kind of like, it seems like Stardew Valley-ish, um, but you build up a town and you can terraform the town and stuff. It seems super up my alley. That's like a guarantee, guaranteed play. And um, I also, so yeah, I mean, like that's the kind of thing that like I am 100% always drawn to is management sim town building kind of thing. Um, and I also really like um, Fire Emblem. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Jean-Luc, I have your answer, by the way. Yeah. Immersive Sim. 
Yeah, I, I was think, <laughs> I, I was trying to think about different things, and and I think what really, I landed on. I was going to say visual novels. Visual novels too. I love visual novels. Um, I love a game where it doesn't tell you what to do, and you can kind of like figure it out or like like it, basically yeah like an immersive system where immersive system says hey you need to get over here you need to accomplish this thing but it doesn't tell you how to do it and you're just given all these tools and these options and a game where you can like come up with a solution that even the game developers didn't come up with uh i just i love stuff like that so like that like prey is one of my favorite games um where you can like use the goo gun to like basically mm-hmm. get anywhere like that i think that's one of the most like underrated like weapons in a game because you can just or like do so many interesting things that came as a, a dart gun like a, like a nerf gun yeah. that you can use and i remember like when i got it and i was like what's up with this and i like used it to like shoot through like a like a little hole in a window and like bounced off a wall and then hit like a console like button and then it like opened a door and i felt like the smartest person in the world i was like this is so awesome remember when it was just us three who were like we like to pray during game of the year discussions oh (laughs) it's uh most underrated game of this generation i agree agree. thank you cat i agree absolutely that game is so underrated it's it's dope it's a really well-designed game that weirdly Everybody just kind of discarded and moved on from, but I'm really glad to hear that it has legs. I yeah. wanted to make like so many videos about it, and we're like, oh, well, you know, well, let's make a uh, we'll make a tips video, and we'll see if it does well. Got like six k, no one cared. And it, well, the people, all the all the comments were like, you guys gave this a bad score, and it's like, well, oh, there's yeah. other people who work here too, and some we of us lo- really like, like this game. game. <laughs> I want to talk about it. There's a really good uh, uh, Danny from uh, of No Clip put out a really good video the other day where the developers break down the opening of the game and like how mm-hmm. like that whole like I guess I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't played it but like that the opening of that game I think is like absolutely brilliant and like how it like pulls the rug out from under you and and the video like explains like how they came up with that idea and like the the ways they had to like get the player to like figure out what was going on so that they could like continue the game it's really good it's a great little like inside look at how they just did one very specific part of that game i think i think we answered that question pretty thoroughly i would say i'd Mm -hmm. say so all right last question here is from kevin in west hartford connecticut hey after darkers while gaming generally gets better as we get older by being better informed and having a much larger budget what's what gets worse about gaming as you age time (laughs) yeah yeah pretty (laughs) We there. say as we put 800 hours in. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> I have the luxury of being able to put some of those hours into Animal Crossing during work because I'm working on guides. Well, That's the secret is multitasking yep. and playing Switch while you're watching, you know, trashy reality TV. Thank you. I, I think one thing that I mentioned too is like when I was younger, I feel like I was able to like tune out and just kind of play through bad games even if i didn't like them necessarily well now like i'll fall off so fast and i think that's probably generally a good thing but i do kind of miss the days where i could just get absolutely sucked into a game that is not great it's like janky or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah oh that's man. not just like age it's also like you bought that game and you're like i gotta play it 
like I yeah, have to commit true. to this. It's like, yeah, I can only buy one game every other month or something like that. And it's like, well, I just <laughs> got a bad allowance. one, but I gotta enjoy this. Man, mm-hmm. there was a game that I played the shit out of on PS2 called Metropolis Mania. It was a town building game, which is why I bought it. And um, it was one of the worst translations I'd seen in that generation, at least <laughs> just a terrible translation. And, and like you would talk to residents and like, there were <clears throat> kind of like SimCity, like three different zones. Like you could do industry, commercial and residential, but it was all like first or third person, but like in the environment you would go around placing. T- and there was like a lot that I liked about it, but there was this riddle mechanic where like, to make residents happier you'd have to answer a riddle but it was like super poorly translated from Japanese and like the answers were really weird and I could never figure it out and then uh, my dad traded in the PS2 and the disc was still inside it. someone got lucky yeah and that was the end of that do you think reflexes actually get slower as you get older because when I'm playing shooters like modern warfare and that kind of thing I always feel like I'm a hair too slow when I'm shooting at enemies you know, I'm not sure. My dad still plays, my dad plays Modern Warfare every day and he has a pretty good KD and he does pretty well. So it might wanna... literally be a matter of practice. Like might, yeah. you're playing against teenagers who are playing eight hours a day, every single day. And exactly. that's a tough thing to overwhelm, overcome when you're playing an hour, maybe every other night. <laughs> Although my dad has recently been playing <clears throat> like custom magic matches against AI mm-hmm. and you can tune it to like the difficulty you want. And the AI is really good. And I'm pretty sure it learns from players because like AI is like throwing knives at him and killing him. And he's like, what the fuck is this? Um, <laughs> so that's my quick aside on my dad's, that's the, the Callie's dad call of duty update. But I, I, I do think it probably largely has to do with practice rather than age. I would hope. Because that was kind of a myth when during the days of, you know, StarCraft esports where they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, this top player has kind of aged out and they're, they can't keep up with the young kids or whatever. And it seems like maybe that was just kind of a myth that was being perpetuated. I don't know. Yeah. And maybe like, you know, those kinds of like intense esports, you're that you dedicate your whole life to practicing. And I don't know about you, but I, my window of being able to pull all-nighters was very small, and I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I don't know about you. I still have aspirations of being a Call of Duty uh, pro player. I'm coming <laughs> for you, Modern Warfare people. <laughs> uh, anything else we want to add to that question? No? All right. Well, that's been episode 53 of GameSpot After Dark. Thank you all so much for listening and thank you, Kat, for joining us. Uh, is there anything you want to plug and where can people find you on Twitter? Plugs, plugs, plugs. That's what the notes say. Um, <laughs> hi, I'm Kat. I'm on Twitter at the underscore Catbot and I host Axe of the Blood God. It's an RPG podcast where, well, if you thought I could, was getting a little nerdy here, I mean, you haven't heard mm-hmm. anything yet. You should go listen to Axe of the Blood God on all of your favorite podcatchers of choice i'm also streaming lately this is just a personal project uh, twitch.tv slash cat bailey tv so yeah oh and check out us gamer i guess <laughs> that's that other thing <laughs> that i work on that i run so thank you uh cali what about you um you can find me well my voice is doing a weird thing right now but you can find me on twitter at inky dojiko i-n-k-y-d-o-j-i-k-k-o 
Um, and right now I'm kind of taking the time to plan ahead for things like next gen console launch. What's that going to look like for reviews? So just kind of like in the background stuff, but we do have a lot of reviews going up, um, of some really interesting looking, but smaller games. So I mentioned fall guys, little wood is another one. Um, so keep an eye out. I think Matt Padgett is checking out Skater XL while we wait for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remastered. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want your skating game fix, look out for that. And um, I am I still continue to work on Animal Crossing guides. Um, we have stuff on the Dream Suite, on fireworks show information. There's going to be five fireworks shows this month because there are five Sundays in August. So keep that in mind when you're planning and... Um, also how to set up data transfer or uh, data backup, um, which is really nice to have. So that I keep on working on that in the background. And Jean-Luc. Uh, you can find me at Jean-Luc Seipi on Twitter. Um, I should have a few videos up about uh, Avengers beta, as well as uh, a video with Michael talking about the Horizon PC port. Uh, other than that, I am continuing to work on more cyberpunk videos uh, as part of the Lord series I'm doing with you, Jake. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, the next episode should be up Saturday. I don't know if we keep to that Saturday cadence, probably. Uh, but it's all about Johnny Silverhand. It's done. Uh, well, for the most part, I'm very excited about it. Uh, but yeah, keep checking back every week because we're going to keep hitting cyberpunk until... Uh, there's nothing left to hit anymore, I guess. <laughs> end of, at the end of time. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at Jacob Deck. Although I've been trying to stay off Twitter lately because it's a good call. It's, it's a bad website. But it's such a wholesome and positive place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Whenever anyway. I want to feel better about myself, I go on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it, it always works. It always works. Uh, anyway, we'll see y'all next week. And thank you so much for listening. Bye.